Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hey, y'all. My name is Shan. Welcome to Cozy Womb Podcast. This is a series for Black fathers because Black fathers matter. Black fathers matter to me. Black fathers matter to my children. Black fathers matter when it comes to my brothers, um, my mentors, my friends. They matter because they set the tone for who our children look up to. They set the tone for how men, women, children, and other elderly people feel protected, feel like, you know, everything they've struggled for was for a good cause because they've seen who they've been become. And I want to, um, I don't know, I just want to shine a light on them and hear from them in a perspective that sometimes goes unheard because no one cares to ask. Sometimes people look at fathers as if, oh, that's nothing. They're supposed to do that. Why would we, you know, thank you for doing something you're automatically supposed to do? You shouldn't look for any, you know, praise or any uh, thank yous for that. That's the standard. That's the basics. You know, do what you're supposed to do. But when you have a father that's there, that's consistent, that's uh, available, that's attentive, that's caring, that's thoughtful versus an absent father versus a father that thinks his life and his now is more important than the child's future. Um, There's a difference. There's a clear difference. And I just want to show appreciation. So uh, this series, I've interviewed many, many fathers from different places, different backgrounds, and I really just want to pick their brains with different questions. So um, thank you for listening to Cozy Boom Podcast, and I hope you enjoy Hey guys, in this episode, Raymond and I have a um, very positive, loving, uh, sensible discussion about fatherhood and um, the ups and downs of his relationship with his father and how he took that and made a better relationship with his son and I love it because he's consistently dedicated to being better. Uh, he's choosing a very direct and uh, intentional way of fatherhood. And with his wife and the fact that he's very dedicated to his craft and always building on that. And just pouring into his son and making sure that his son lives a childhood of a lot of joy and a lot of prosperity and uh, between him and his wife having the faith that they have and taking the good from you know their parents relationship and then bringing it into their own family I think that's very vital to 
um, our kids. And I'm very happy and proud to say that I know of a black man being a great father, a great husband, and um, really father fathering intentionally. And uh, I just wanted to share. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Hey, hey, it's Anya Dula, and I am the host of Intercultured with Anya Dula. Intercultured with Anya Dula is a podcast that focuses on motherhood, culture, birth work, and travel. And it's just a place for women to come together to discuss our philosophies on motherhood, to discuss our work and birth work, if that's what we do, but mainly to bring women of all different cultures together so that we can talk about how we mother, how we hashtag do motherhood, so that we can learn from one another and learn to love each other. That's really what it's all about. I hope you'll join us. Intercultured with Anya Dula podcast is available on all the major podcast stations. I hope you'll join us. Can't wait to connect. Very much. (laughs) He was like, this is the most awesomest day ever. Awesomest day. I was like, that means we scored. We scored big. Yes. Did he know anything was going to go on? Was it a surprise? (laughs) It was a surprise. (laughs) He's hilarious. So my wife was doing something, and he was like, I was outside blowing up balloons. And so he was like, Mommy, I need to go outside and help Daddy. She was like, no, no, he got it. He was like, I want to go outside. She was like, no, you can't go outside. (laughs) He was like, I already know you're planning something. You're just trying to hide it from me. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of funny. That's good. Yeah. But he's, he's, he had a really good time. And it was super um, enjoyable because, I mean, we'd have to put a lot into it. You know, you'd have to rent some venue space. And we didn't have to buy a lot of food. So it was real easy and got the same effect out of it. Man, and this is what's happening right now. Every parent that's dealing with a birthday with a child that thinks they need an elaborate birthday party and they need all of this stuff and they're seeing the simplicity and still the yeah. the better joy yeah. Yeah. by doing minimal. Yep. They done messed that's, up. They done messed yeah. up. <laughs> that's what me and my sister was talking about yesterday. We was just like, you know, I don't know how life is going to ever kind of go back the same because I think this experience is kind of teaching us things that we really can live without and things that we don't necessarily have to do or have. Um, and we're creating, we're being innovative really in creating other moments um, and memories that are just as significant as they were before, but it's just completely different. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for it. I'm here for it all. All right, man. questions for you come on come on on. (laughs) all right so this is episode four um black fathers of course i had to um had to think because all of this came to me in the shower okay i'm talking like may 31st 
shower. Come on, you should just you should just do like interviewing dads that you know that are like within their daddom. And I'm just like, man, how many dads do I know? I'm just like, I know a few, and I've never talked to any of y'all about fatherhood. Okay. So I'm just like, okay, let me just reach out and see what I catch. I wasn't yep. expecting to get all of these dads, which is great. Wait. But it but it gives me a lot of work. So I'm just like, okay. Um, but I'm happy about it because the perspective of what you guys do needs to be talked about and it's not really talked about. I feel I like um Mother's Day is a month and a half of preparation and Father's Day is like within the day, oh let me let, let's go out to eat and then go ahead and pay for it like yep. i just like no they need more they need more appreciation and i think if it was a balanced pre- appreciation with dads as it is moms i think right. being a dad and being within your fatherhood uh work and effort would be much more appreciated so we are shining a light. So today we have Ramont. Uh, we went to college together and he was just very particular and in detail about his work. And uh, he's a creative. You know, I don't, I've never seen anything that you've done that you haven't executed well. <laughs> so even like- <laughs> You like doing design and you uh, in music and you play so well. And Thank you. on top of that, this man is like redoing, re, <laughs> re arranging his house. And I'm just like, what, does, what do you not do? <laughs> what do you not do? I get that a lot. I'm just like, man, stop yeah. it. Um, we talking about fatherhood, though. It's all good. It all goes together. <laughs> so uh, you are a father of one, uno, two. one son. Yep. All right. And what is your age? What's my age? Yes. I'm 34. How young do you feel? 24. That's good. That's what we like to hear. Um, yeah. Growing up, uh, your father made you feel what? You know what? When I grew up, I didn't really like my father. Um, I had like a love hate relationship with him um but the older I got I understood more um why I felt the way I felt um and my dad grew up with a lot of toxic situations Mm -hmm. and because you know like in our generation now we are really big on um you know mental health awareness going to therapy like we're we are just now like as a culture 
shining light in those areas and it's considered normal now and it's okay mm-hmm. that you're not okay and it's okay that you go talk to somebody so my father growing up you know when he did he you know that wasn't those opportunities weren't there so i think he would have benefited from those things but because he didn't he took a lot of his um experiences and kind of brought him into his his journey of being a father um but um you know one thing i can say that my father taught me was um hard work pays off um he's responsible for my music start um he he put me in piano lessons at the age of 7 um and it's funny because i would have friends come to the door and they would want to uh you know, have me come outside and play and i used yeah. to be so embarrassed that's be like man i can't cross that i got to practice the piano <laughs> what was it was it like embarrassed because you really wanted to stay in practice or embarrassed like they're not going to understand that i want to yeah it was like you know cuz it's kind of you look it's kind of like i felt like it was kind of corny you know what i'm saying they got to go around the streets have fun and i mean that's what you want to do as a kid and i was like i got to practice piano <laughs> so it was kind of funny cuz i used to be embarrassed but crazy thing when i was 11 so 8 9 10 11 after 4 years of like consistently having lessons i started playing for my first church and sure yeah i was making $125 a sunday yo like right so when i'm like getting these checks yeah <laughs> i was like yo it was worth it um so so it all came you know it 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 ended up you know working out but my father told me that i could do absolutely anything um i just had to put in the work to do so um and a lot of advice that he gave me it still stands true today um And so I I'm appreciative that he was present. I'm appreciative that he always um invested in me and pushed me. So my father felt, you know, he he instilled that in me, hard work and anything that I can do or anything that I want to do rather um I can do it. And do you so, um do you push that into your son? I do, but my son is a little bit different. His personality is a little he has he does have my personality, but he has a lot of my um wife's personality as well. Um and so I kind of I kind of wanted to sit back and see where his personality was going to go um before I kind of like started pushing him. Yeah. Um but one thing I do do, I always affirm him. I always tell him, you know, you can do this. I always speak, you know, greatness in them. I always tell them I'm proud of them. Um I build them up. Um and so I feel like those things are just as important. Um being a child and just affirming your child and and telling them, you know, those positive affirmations. So I'm really big on that. Um but I've kind of just kind of waited to see like what his gifts and talents were going to be um before I was just like pushing him into something. Mhm. So, but he he has a lot of he has a lot of gifts too. I can see it. So it's going to be fun watching him grow up. Um 
being a father means blank. What does a father being a father mean to you? Um, means responsibility, <laughs> accountability. Uh, yeah. It means world to me. Um, it's one of the greatest gifts you can be gifted to do. Um, I, I've been, young boys need their fathers. Um, I sometimes tell uh, my friends all the time, it's not a day that goes by that I do not correct my son. Every day it's something. I'm reminding him to do something. I'm either telling him what he did wasn't good enough. Like, it's, it's so important because I feel like, you know, men and women are completely different. And so, not saying that single mothers can't raise men because they absolutely can. Um, but I know just having that male presence and my son getting that firsthand, the way I treat him, my wife can't necessarily treat him or she's not going to treat him because she's just a, a female. She's a woman. Um, so I counted a joy. I counted a privilege and an honor just to be able to pour into him and instill greatness in him. Um, you know, just simple things, but I love it. I love it. It's not a day that goes by, like I said, that I don't correct him or I'm trying to school him or something. <laughs> yeah, that's what we want. Um, how are you a valuable father? How do you feel that you are a valuable father? Or what makes you a valuable father? <laughs> Experience. <laughs> um, I think life's experiences, things that I've either, um, that I've gone through or I've seen other people go through, mm -hmm. um, things that my father have told, has, um, things that he shared with me, he's told me, mm -hmm. um, that's allowed me to gain wisdom. Um, I feel like those, I mean, those things are really valuable because at the end of the day, you always want your child to be better than you. You want them to accomplish more than what you accomplished. Yeah. Um, and if there's something that I did that I didn't get the outcome that I wanted or um, a mistake that I made that I learned a valuable lesson from that I can help you avoid, I want to do that at all costs because you're a part of me. You know, you're my seed. And I, I, want, I want to see you grow up and, like I said, do greater than what I did and what I've done. So, so I think experiences. Okay. So you pour into him your wins and also balancing that out with your failures. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's so funny because I'm like, man, I can't wait he get till he gets to this stage. Can't wait till he gets to this phase. I ain't letting him <laughs> do this. We ain't gonna do that. <laughs> you know, you just have all these things in your mind. Um you know, I don't want him to, to grow up and inherit debt. I don't want him to go to school and and come out with debt. I mean, it's just so many things. You know, I want him to, you know, I want to be able to be like, okay, this house is yours. Or, you know, when you turn such and such, you got this much money already in the account. Mm -hmm. um, those things are, are super important um, to me because that gives him kind of a head start in this in life you know and i want him to, to have that head start and i want him to be the best version of him that he can be excellent um a lot of cultures 
give their kids a head start um, mm-hmm. that's not really talked about. Mm-hmm. And when it goes to saying, you know, after your child is 18, all all kids are on the equal playing field, it's not true. <laughs> right. That is and, very true. Very and it, true. it has to do with the parents planning and uh, want to plan for what that outcome is. Because even if your child doesn't go to college, you still want to set them up to be successful. So for right, me, right. for me with my two girls, I'm not for, oh, you're 18, I'm pushing you out the house. I want right, you to stay right. yep. until I feel like you're mature enough to handle yep. adult life, which could be 25 or 26. Yep. But yep. this whole pushing a kid out to figure out life is not it. Yeah, that's so funny. I had a conversation with um, with one of my wife's cousins maybe a couple of months ago. Um, and she basically schooled me in that area because I agreed, but I felt like, for some reason in my mind, when it comes to a boy, it's different. Um, she just got married two years ago, and I think she was anywhere from 26, 27. And up until that point, she lived with her parents. And um, she was saying her parents taught her that, you know, you should live with us until you're able to be on your own. Or even if you're able to be on your own and you're not married, there's no reason for you to live on your own. If you can live here, rent mortgage free and stack your money. And so that's basically what she did. And that, I don't know, who started that stigma of, you know, when you're 18, you need to be on your own and, you know, so forth and so on. Um, and so I had a conversation with her and I was like, well, that's really good. And I was like, well, how do you feel about it as it pertains to boys? And she was like, it's, it goes the same way. You know, if he can stay at home until he's 25, 26, 27 or whatever age um, to where he has his game unlocked um, and he has wealth acquired or whatever, you know, that's when you know, it's time for the transition. But, um, you know, I think, I don't know. I don't know if it's just what society talks or what we saw in, in the media. Um, it's, society. Even I, it's society. Yeah, because even I had, that, I had that mentality. I was like, oh, yeah, by the age of 20, such and such, I should be doing this. And, and I was doing it, but it necessarily, I wasn't necessarily probably mature enough to do it you know um so that's where i've learned my failures from um feeling like i'm supposed to do this when i'm this and you know it's just the game has completely changed um and i'm happy that you know people are more are catching on more to that um and letting go of this stigma of of stuff that don't really make sense because it don't make sense if you 18 and you only working at zaxby's like it don't make sense. Like, okay, you're 18, but you're struggling and you ain't really acquiring any wealth. You just, yeah, you know, you just living to survive, basically, at that point. Yeah. Um, I think the internet helped with that. Um, smartphones helped with that because we got to share our lives a lot quicker with people. And so when we talked about how we were living and um, the steps that we took to get to the places that we are in, I think it made people check themselves and be like, well, maybe I was going about this all wrong. Maybe society is telling me I need 
an $85,000 car and I need these rents and I need to be having all of this money. I need to be going out all the time. But society is not telling me that I need to own property and have something of this earth and, and, and build a wealth. And then maybe I do need a new car, but I can get a new car that costs maybe $30,000, not $85,000. Right, so, right. So um, I do appreciate the internet for that. But when you have the internet how it is and how quick that it is, you also have to pour into your kids a lot faster before the internet gets them. Yeah, so that's a It's all in balancing that. Um, and, you know, with the society out here, how do you keep your son within a child's mind <laughs> with society? I don't expose him to everything. Um, like right now, he's, he's, he just turned eight. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even really talked about race and Black Lives Matter. And, mm-hmm. um, not that I don't want to, but... Like right now, I don't really feel like I have to have that conversation with him. Um, opposed to like when his school, like stuff that he that he hasn't been affected by yet. I'm, I'm not really, because I don't want him to grow up and feel like he has to treat people differently. So I don't instill that in him. Um, but because he hasn't really had that experience. Well, now, now back up. If he had that experience and came home and was like, okay, well, somebody said something about my skin color then I feel like okay it's a little bit appropriate to have that conversation yeah. but like right now my son is he, he thinks he's a power ranger and he is jumping off <laughs> the sofa with swords and he's mighty morphing it up so I'm yeah. letting him I'm letting him enjoy him being a child now black boy joy right now he didn't get to go back to school and so he does know that that was because of COVID you know what I'm saying? So we had the conversation about, okay, COVID, so forth and so on. And he understands to a degree. Um, but I just feel like um, let your child, you know, let them be a kid while they can. And when it's time to address certain issues, um, you'll know when, because it'll happen. You know what I'm saying? It's, I feel like sometimes like life will happen how it's supposed to. And right now, since race has never been an issue, I'm not going to be like, okay, He's white, you black, mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying. I'm not gonna go there because I don't feel I don't want to open up that door if it hasn't been open yet. Okay. Um, for you growing up, did your father ever pull you aside and have that conversation? And if he did, <laughs> when when do you remember that being? I was in middle school. Um, <laughs> I remember those conversations. <laughs> um. You know, because my dad went through the 60s um, and he was like, look, when you see the police, go the other way. <laughs> you don't want no problems with them. Yeah. Don't get in trouble. Um, you know, my dad used to hate seeing black people get pulled over. He would always make comments and be like, they just racially profiling them. And, you know, um, but I think I was in middle school when our members are like really starting to remember those conversations and him being vocal about it and him telling me um, how to avoid it at all costs. I do remember that. I do remember that. Man. Uh, okay. I was saying, and for us, I grew up in Powder Springs. Um, 
And my parents moved to that city like in the late 80s. And literally, like, if you count on one hand, they, they were like one of those numbers of black families in that city. So they remember even back then just how the racial tension was um, and being the new kids on the block, being the only black kids on the block, if I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he had a lot to say as it, as it pertained to that. Yeah, there's a video um, from back in the day circulating with black kids and white kids on the street. And when I tell you, the Lord knew when to have me on this earth because my patience and my tolerance for what was said and how they were treated, I don't know if I would make it to 33 years of age. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. It was crazy. I agree, yeah. Excuse me. My grandmother's 93 and she 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 tells us stories so many vivid stories she remembers the white kids riding on the bus and her having to walk to school and they would throw rocks at them out the window like i mean just i mean stuff that i mean even now like i just be like god thank you that i haven't met a karen or i haven't <laughs> met i haven't met anybody crazy because i know i'm 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 with it. You go to 10, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, so I, I I feel you on that, you know, as far as like when I was born. And yeah, because I'm, I'm crazy too. Um, how many children have you guided in your lifetime? I gotta think. <laughs> right. I've had, like, I've mentored. I have a really big heart as when it comes to black men and black boys. Um, I've mentored probably five, close to five. Um, mentoring them and just saying that you know I want to be there and pour into you. Um, but I mean, I've been directly and indirectly involved with different children so I I can't really put a number on it but as far as like me taking like young men under my wings and mentoring them Mm -hmm. probably around five Mm. yeah and I have a heart for that I have a heart to see you know young black men win um, and pour into them um, and be that that big brother to them I, I have a heart for that and I'm very, very, very grateful God blessed me with a son. Um, and nothing against girls, but I've always just wanted to have boys. <laughs> because I felt like... I tell like... you, <laughs> the Lord tried me two times. I was just like, okay. Okay. What did I do to deserve this? But okay. <laughs> it's a whole nother different playing field. Yes, yes, they are. They are bold. Today, um, my six-year-old Anya, she was like, she was like, Mom, do bugs have boobs? I'm just like, no. She was like, well, how did they feed their babies? I'm just like, well, the, the insects just come out and they, you know, follow what they see. She was like, well, I think you're incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> you're okay. like, I give up. 
Okay. Right. Okay. Do what you do. Right. Um, how does it feel to be appreciated as a dad? Uh, feels good. Um, it's so funny because there, when I was growing up, um, like me playing the piano, my dad would get really, really, really emotional. Um, and my son can do like the smallest things. He can just tell me he loves me or tell me thank you like see him just be, appreciate me um it's so rewarding and uh i i get i get so much joy um when he does small things um and it helps me to know that i'm on the right track and what i do you know what i'm doing and what i do is not in vain perfect what are three things you wish you could improve or change for Black fathers? In general, for Black fathers? Yeah. Um, presence, responsibility, and accountability. That's what I would say. Presence, their presence, their level of responsibility and their level of accountability. Because even in our community and culture, you know, you have that cycle of black men not being present. Mm -hmm. um, and if I could do anything, I would change that because we don't realize how much our seed needs us. You know, your kids need you. They're a part of you, you know, and when they don't get that part of you, it's a almost like an identity crisis. Yeah, you know it's a it's a it's a void that's that's never um, feel so to speak, or it's a wound that slowly has to heal. If you look at it from that perspective, so for me, you know, when I see black men present, you know, and I'm not saying that every relationship's gonna work out because it, it may not, but you just still being present and being accountable for your actions and, and having taking care of your responsibility. Um, sometimes that doesn't happen a lot in our community. So when I do see it, it's so rewarding. It's it's like, you just want to go give another black man a high five. Like, yeah. Like, you, yeah. You, 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 okay, you want it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We know inside you want to cry, but thank you for being. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like my my circle of friends is, is I think it's like ten of us, um, and uh, all of us are married except for two. So eight oh, out wow. of the ten, and all of us have kids. And um, there we were changing. We met in um, in school, and we um, we called ourselves MOS, and it stands for Men of Standards. Yes. And, um, and we've always just said we were going to change the dynamic. You know, we were going to not be that statistic. Um, and I, I'm, and even out of the eight, you know, some of them have babies out of wedlock. Some of them, you know, have babies previously in other relationships. Um, and even though they're married now, they still take care of their responsibility. They're still present. You know, they're still accountable. And we need more of that, you know. So it's, it's, it's a breath of fresh air to see that, Okay, I still can do, even though my that previous relationship didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Or I still can do, 
even if my child lives in a, it lives in three, four states over for me. You know, my boy, a couple months, hopped on the plane because his baby, his other daughter was having a birthday. Like, just stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I grew up with a couple of cousins, um, their father left them when they were like three and four. Mm-hmm. You know, they're boys. And so they never did grow up with their real father. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it, it it's one of those things um, when I see it, um, it's disheartening, but when I see fathers step up to the plate, it means the world to me. So if I could change anything, it, it would be men being present, accountable, and take care of their responsibility. Mm. And I um, I agree with you, and I want more fathers to know that just like a mother has rights with their kids, they have rights with their kids. Yeah. And I think a lot of Black fathers are second to showing up to a courtroom when it involves their kid and I feel like if a lot of black fathers were first and said hey I have a responsibility this is my child Um, I would like to set up visitation I would like to set up this can we do that I think the court system would recognize that these are families there are children involved Right. Um, let's do the best that we can for the child exactly but you know because it's very one-sided to me in my opinion it is oh only the woman comes to the courtroom because she's dealing with a bad father and let's penalize the father because they have this kid it puts a bad taste in their mouth so um that's what i would like to see changes um more fathers really understanding their state laws because every state is different. Right. Being more responsible about oh, I'm just out here living. You could be out here living, but (laughs) if that kid comes up and this is not a woman that you see that with, be more selective and responsible about that. Uh, Very much so. (laughs) Teacher, that's the end. <laughs> um, I want you to finish this uh, sentence for me. Uh, having my son felt like blank. The most valuable opportunity gift that I could ever have. Man. Yeah. How was his delivery? You know what? I'll never forget. <laughs> I remember holding them, and I was like, oh, gosh, this is real. <laughs> this is a real little person. Like, because, you know, like, when you're going through the pregnancy, you don't see the baby, and, you know, it's just all, like, you know, excited. And then when they really get here, it's like, oh, they here. Like, they here to stay. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, but I was so excited. I was so happy. Um. And I, like I said, I, I wanted a boy. So I was ecstatic when I found out that we were having a boy. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's the most valuable gift, man. I always wondered what it's like um, in the process of the pregnancy for the father. So like, yeah. once you guys are told, hey, I'm pregnant, I'm having a, we're having a baby. Yeah. What is that process like? Like your emotions, your thoughts, 
your fears, your um, worries up until that birth? What is that? I don't know if I had a lot of worries or fears. Mm-hmm. I think I was just so excited. I mean, because I, I always wanted, I mean, I remember being in middle school and that was just one of my goals. I wanted to get married. I wanted to be a father. I wanted to have, you know, boys. Like, I remember dip. So it was just, I felt like I was living my dream. Um, and for me, going through it, it was just a lot of excitement. Um, you know, I don't, I don't ever really remember being fearful or worried that I wasn't going to be good enough. Um, I think I just, I think I was just excited about the opportunity to finally. Now, one thing I can say, I remember because, because um, my relationship with my dad sometimes was up and down. Mm-hmm. I do remember growing up and just being like. I can't wait to have a relationship with my son because I would always make sure it's going to be different. Um, and so when my son came, because of those experiences, I've always made sure I corrected or addressed how I was going to raise him. Um, and so that's why I say, like, every day I affirm him, I'm pouring into him, you know, I correct him, I remind him of things. Um, and it's cool to see like the fruit of your labor, like when he he comes around and he says things that I've taught him, or I see the growth um, in him. That's um, awesome to see. But I think for me, I was just so excited about the opportunity to finally do it right in my mind. Um, and although I'm not perfect, I still was like, I felt like. I get a clean slate. I get to be a father. I get to raise a boy in white America. And now I can school him and give him the tools to be the best man that he can be. Because, you know, boys growing up, I mean, black kids growing up with their fathers already is, you know, every, you know, one, two, skip a few. Um, (laughs) And so for me, for me, it was like, okay, this is going to be my my gift to society. I get the opportunity to raise a black man the right way, so to speak. If that makes sense, you know. So, so I think for me, like the whole pregnancy, I was just, I was super excited. Like I was just excited the whole time. That's perfect. That's perfect because I think a lot of fathers, a lot of fathers might fear those words, I'm pregnant. And I wish there were more fathers that got excited about those. Yeah. But it goes back to what you were saying. Like, if you live in a fast life and you just out there getting it, then those are words you're going to fear. You know, you have, like you said, you have to be selective. You have to be responsible. You have to be mature. Um, I mean, if you're gonna go out and be an adult, be an adult, but be a responsible adult. Just like there's nothing wrong with drinking if you're gonna drink, but if you're gonna drink and be sloppy and then get DUIs, then you you're a menace to society. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if you're gonna go out and be an adult, just be responsible. 
You know, you ain't got no reason to fear if you're being responsible. You see what I'm saying? Like, it'd be different if I'm just locking up and kicking it with seven, eight different females and then five of them come back and like, oh, we pregnant. Yeah, I'm going to fear those words because I ain't being responsible. I'm not being accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really want to be present in their life. Mm-hmm. I'm just out here having a good time. You see what I'm saying? And so that's the immature man. Um, and so for me, you know, my, my story's a little bit different, but I guess because I wanted to have a family and I knew how I knew who I wanted to have a family with, um, I was excited to hear those words. So for your for your parents, were they the example as far as like a marriage, a family, a unit for you and your wife? Or was someone else the um, example for you? I think we pulled from it a little bit from everybody. Like there was things that I saw my parents do and I was like, okay, I can take that. I like that. There was things in my wife's family that she saw. Um, same thing. You know, there was things that we were like, okay. Um, it was almost like compare and contrast. Like, okay, yeah, we can, t- we can do this. We can do, no, I don't really like that way. You know what I'm saying? So I think we, we got a little bit from everybody, mm-hmm. you know, including the Cosby's. <laughs> I wish they were like legit real like can this family be real (sighs) yeah and you know when I think about the Cosby's I think that that was the one family sitcom that we had that didn't have black kids growing up in trauma like like their drama their drama was Oh, Vanessa did this, and, uh, you know, you were trying to sneak something out the refrigerator, like, how your children should grow up, um, and that, uh, is completely missing out of this generation, and I'm afraid, because everybody's family today is so different, and my mom was comfortable growing up with being like, okay, y'all could go outside. We went outside at 9 a.m. Uh-huh. We didn't come back in until like 6.30. She wasn't worried about if somebody picked us up. She wasn't worried about if we were over our friend's house and it was safe. I would yeah. never let any of my daughters go outside that long and, and, nope. and go over people's houses and yes. trust them to be able to maneuver themselves in a way where they're safe and come back home to me. So, um... Yeah. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. My wife now, like we have a neighbor, um, same age as my son, black family, and um, they always it's like, oh, you know, he can come over, he can come inside. And I be like, nope, they can play outside. <laughs> you know, it's just we live in it. You don't back in those days. You, I don't know. Life was just more simpler. Um, today's time, you can be or have this persona and then be completely different behind that. Do you think it's because we've been exposed to too much information and we know too much? So like, I'm not saying that uh, pedophiles and sexual predators and drugs didn't exist growing up in in like the 90s for, for us. But I'm just saying it wasn't 
like this is the process this is what happens and this is what they do in the house when they have kids we didn't know that until now so now that that information is here we're kind of like i'm not even trying to test it exactly exactly (laughs) (laughs) the internet right right life is completely different um what is a huge challenge in being a black father for you or something that was a huge challenge (laughs) being black in america (laughs) (laughs) um, i mean not being not being judged and people don't know you um i was just having this conversation with my boy earlier um you know you want people to to appreciate you and love you for who you are and who you can be and what you are and you know your gifts and your talents um but a lot of times we're judged before anybody takes the time to get to know us on that level um and so raising a son through that and having and and wondering how he's gonna have to navigate when he gets older um based off how i had to grow up and navigate um you know those are the some of the biggest challenges because you know when people don't take the time to know you get to know you and they've already have a preconceived notion of who you are then it's like you're you're up the the odds are already stacked against you yeah and i don't get a fair a fair opportunity or a fair chance are there some tools that you wish you had um, growing up to help you through that or um, are there some tools that you would be giving your son to maneuver through that? Yeah, I think now I am like really big on like just pushing him to be an entrepreneur and not saying that he has to do that forever, but I want him at the end of the day, if he has to survive, that he he knows what he can do and use his resources to do so. And I feel like that's what music kind of taught me. Um, it taught me that nobody can ever take that away from you. That's a gift. That's a gift and ability that I have. And nobody can ever take that from me. I always have it and I can always use it um, to navigate through life. Um, and so that's something that I'm going to try to pour in and instill in my son. Um, I wanted actually this summer I wanted him to I was going to start a business for him called Cayman's Curbside Service and it was basically just pulling people's trash cans to the to the uh, to the street and so it was just something to kind of teach him responsibility and to work hard and you know you work for what you want and you get rewarded um, you know but just teaching him that to not to depend on society and the the cycle that we sometimes have to be a part of. If I can teach him at an early age to use his brain to think, um, to figure it out on his own, to establish his own platform, you know, then do that. Because sometimes in our society, they're not going to give you a platform. You got to create your own. Yeah. You know, so that's what being in Black Americans taught me. You know, they, they may not open the door for you. They may not ever give you the opportunity. I'll never forget, even just with, um, you know, us finishing up, you know, going to school. 
um, I had interviewed for Carter's, you know, clothing clothing company, and I was so excited. I reached out to this lady on LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn, and she saw my stuff. She was really excited. Offered me an interview. The phone interview went really well. Um, she told me out here we talked. We talked numbers, talked money, everything was good. And then it was just like. It went real sour real quick. Mm. And then it was like stuff that I know I was like qualified for to do. Like when like, I tell I, you I, I applied to them three times, spoke to them twice, and nothing. And then what irritated me is what I was looking to do and then moving here to Atlanta and being so close. They kept popping up, looking for this, looking for this. Y'all not looking for that? Very much so. Same experience. And I was just like, you know what? That, that stuff alone has taught me, like, I have to dig deep. And if I don't ever get the opportunity to sit at your table, like Tyler Perry, I got to build my own table. And it's just so unfortunate because there's so many gifted, talented, smart black individuals. I mean, my sister was just talking about this yesterday. She was just like, you know, it's heartbreaking because her students, she teaches high school. She's like, a lot of her students are intimidated to apply for certain jobs because they feel like they don't have the qualifications. And my sister's like, no, apply for it anyways. But she's just like, you know, in reality, you know, she's seen white people that was underqualified. Listen. Don't have, don't have no degree. When I, when I graduated, two days after I graduated, I was on a plane to Philly. And I said, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to save up my money. And then the goal is going to be me moving to New York. Then when I got to New York, I hustled. When I tell you I hustled, I had two internships. And I worked um, Dooney and Burke in uh, Manhattan. And at night, I worked Fifth Ave Hollister overnight. So I only went to my apartment to shower, change clothes, and store my things. Um, the benefit of that was the experience. The benefit of that was never ever having to check my bank account. But what I saw was it didn't matter how talented I was. It didn't matter my work ethic. It didn't matter, um, you know, my knowledge, you know, going to college for four years. They were hiring people based on who they knew, how much money their family had, and what um, would make them look good. And to me, that was such a spit in the face because it's kind of like, why am I here? Like, why am I here? And a lot of my non-creative friends and family was like, so you, you're you there and you're there this many hours and you're doing this many CAD designs and setting up and shipping out stuff for free? And I'm just like, well, in New York, your internships are going to speak for you as far as like recommendations, um, where people see you at, how long you stay there. But it got to the point where I was like five years in seeing this repeated flow of who got ahead and I'm just like there's so many talented people here and everybody assumes New York is like the place to be for fashion 
But in reality, New York is the place to be if you can pay your way to the top, if you can kick butt to the top, um, and if you can put in a long time frame of loneliness to the top. Because if you look at the best designers, they're, they've been like 10, 15 years in before they can have their own walking down the runway. Mm. And like Mark Jacobs was in it for years before he had his own walking down the runway. And I'm just like, do I want to invest my time and my years of where I could be working, having a family, building relationships? Do I want to throw that away for the chance to have this fashion life that I think I want? And it got to the point where I was like, it's not worth it. Mm. I got to a point where I was like, you know what? If fashion is within me, my talent is within me, my design is within me, my purpose is within me, it's always within me. So who's to say I can't do this later? Who's to say right. I can't build my knowledge and come back to this later? So I can't. I, I uh, got pregnant. I was like, New York is definitely not a place to be with a kid and not having like generation money. So I was like, I'm going back to Atlanta. And I came back down here. I got a house and this is just where I'm at. I love fashion, but sometimes you can't forfeit your life or quote unquote, the life you think it's supposed to be because it doesn't measure up and you gotta remember yeah. where you are in the mix. So um, yeah, uh, I, there's a lot of friends that are throwing, I'm not gonna say they're throwing their life away, but they're they're giving up their time for a thought that they think it is, and then they realize they're at an age now where they want the house, they want the family, they want the husband or the wife, and they're just like, "Where is it?" And you, you eat that time, and then you get to a point where you're like, "Okay, kids is out the question." I still have these two things that I can get. And I, I didn't want that. And so yeah. that is the conundrum that is the New York life. <laughs> and wow. I'm, glad, I'm glad I got out of it. I like the experience, but I'm glad I got out of it when I did because then I would be older and bitter about the time I invested. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. That speaks so much, so many volumes. Um, and it's, it's sad. I mean, and it's, I tell people all the time, you know, this is this is white privilege, you know, because they don't they, they don't know what that's like. They don't know what it's like to work and work and still not be good enough. They don't know what it's like. You go on a million interviews and they still don't like you and still don't hire you. And, you know, that's that's it. You sh- I don't know. That just made me think about I need to uh, do a Zoom or some type of platform to allow black people to speak about these experiences yeah because white people white people don't be knowing listen when i was working at um uh when i was interning for rbc uh which is one of the companies that has a lot of urban brands under it so house of darion was in that office and that office primarily was owned by um these three jews that were generation related and um I was an intern for one of their uh, top sales people, 
and I would go in there, I would organize the showrooms, I would get it ready for um, clients that were coming in to see the collections or whatever. And then House of Darion had its own floor. And in the office, I went in there because my whole point of being there is I wanted to mainly get in with footwear. So I needed to get in the section that was only primarily for footwear and try to get in. So the lady that I was interning for, she took me up there just to meet the person that I would need to talk to or interview with later if, you know, an opportunity presents itself. It was a um, black gay man and they were in there and at my internship, there was no, oh, you need to dress this way. There was no, oh, you need to do this and talk like this. It was none of that. It was very like chill, but I didn't go in there with like holes in my shirt and stuff like that. But, you know, I looked presentable and we went in there and she was having a conversation and she showed him um, like my designs, some of my work and was like, you know, you know, she has this experience. She's a college graduate, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, all right, well, um, first of all, y'all can't be coming in here looking like y'all about to play the lotto. And um, these white people is not about to be um, meeting with you. So uh, uh, you just let me know when you want to try this again. That was it. And the way that he spoke to me, and I wrote about this in one of my books, the way that he spoke to me, it was like, you're not good enough for these white folks. Um, I'm not black. I'm like a higher black. And you're less than, and it doesn't matter what your talent is. You just don't look like you're worth these white folks' time. So try this again. And that was such a that was such a turnoff to me because it's kind of like you me I'm you like I'm not interviewing with you right now I'm just seeing if there's an opportunity for this here and that turned me off and as soon as I got into the elevator with Jamie I'm just like you know what no even if there was an opportunity I wouldn't want to be working and smiling and shaking hands and being within the aura of that energy on a daily, and I would rather not. And so um, I got an internship with Bakir, which is a lady uh, that did uh, shoes, handbags, and um, just accessories. Um, and I worked with her, and her office was very diverse. I loved it, but it was more so, you know, a rotation of interns. It wasn't like, you opportunities. Yeah, it wasn't like you internship, you get hired. Most of the interns were still in college. I wasn't. But I did it for like the exposure and um, sitting in meetings of leathers and seeing what's the process of uh, taking pictures of product and getting on the web. So, um, yeah, that was such a turnoff for me. So, yeah, that fashion New York stuff, you, you got to sacrifice in ways where it's like holding your tongue or um, not not being able to put forth your best and being passed up. And it's like, I, my, my personality, my dedication would not. Um, my next question for you is, Mothers will never understand blank about fathers. What is it that we can't understand? Mm. 
or won't understand or can't comprehend. So like for fathers, y'all will never understand fully what it feels like to carry a child, push a child out, and then see a child and know that like a lot of you went into that. So what is it about fatherhood or black fatherhood that mothers will never get or understand? Mm. Mm. I don't know what I would say. That was a good example. Um, maybe the um, I don't know uh, I was going to say the weight um, and the responsibility of feeling like you know uh, I have to take care of my family, but single women may feel like that, <laughs> you know. So I don't know if that I don't know what I would say. But you know what? That is kind of correct because I, I'm not married. I've never had to live with a man, but I think men in society are looked at as you are the provider, you are the protector. Um, you have to work, and then when you come home, you gotta fix what's broken, and you have to love on your wife or your girl. You have to love on your kids, and they have to feel loved, and they have to be okay during the day, and you need to show up. And on top of that, you're gonna be constantly looked at and judged as if you're not doing enough. Whereas yeah. for me, I am the only adult in my house. And I do feel the pressure of having to protect, not being able to have like my time. Um, but I don't feel the pressure that I'm being hunted throughout my day. Mm -hmm. I don't feel the pressure that um, an adult is looking for me to protect them and to love on them and for them to feel appreciated, for them to feel like they did when it was just us. I don't have that, but I think right. that my fathers have that. So that weight, I always imagine what that could be like, even for my brothers. Um, so yeah, you might be correct with that. Yeah, that's that's the only thing I can really think of. Mm. Intro wasting. Um. As a black father, it is important for me to teach my son what? How to be a man. <laughs> how to be a man, how to, how, to, how to take care of family, how to be a husband, how to be a father, um, how to be independent, how to be dependable, um, how to be successful, how to bounce back from failures. Um, I'm I'm his roadmap to life, you know. Mm -hmm. He's watching me, and I feel like that's that's my responsibility. Does your son have a go-to if you're not available? Like a go-to man, like one of your friends or godparents? No, that's a, I think maybe as he gets older, mm -hmm. but like right now, no. 
but he does have but he does have um a guy that i mentored um mm-hmm. who's very heavily in his life as a very strong presence mm-hmm. so um he does for my son calls him facetime him um and so i think um if anything was to happen or if he just needed like okay my dad's tripping i need another type of male figure he does i feel like you know as he gets older that will become probably more um instrumental mm-hmm. um so he does have somebody it doesn't have really hasn't taken part it hasn't really played a role now mm-hmm. but i do think um my men my mentee being um you know kind of laying the groundwork or the foundation out and building that and building that ongoing relationship mm-hmm. so when my son gets older it just it gets stronger so mm-hmm. now he he can see like okay i have a dad but i also have a cousin uncle so he has another uncle that that's he know he can go to yeah that's super important because as they get older and i already know this because i've seen kids do this you can have the best relationship with your son or daughter. And no matter what you say, it just sounds better or it gets in their heads better from somebody else. Yeah. Um and it's important to have a hand in or a um oh my god, that's cool. You can talk to this person and be comfortable with the person that they're going to instead of not knowing who this person is that you know actually reassures them so right uh, i completely get that for my for my girls i do have a lot of female friends women friends that are very close to me where if i'm even taking a nap they did it yesterday they on facetime with them and they're just like having a discussion and they're talking about whatever and I don't have to second think like oh my god what did y'all talk about like I know yeah. I know they kept it childlike so right right that's super important um Very. what is some advice for younger or newer black fathers um that you can give to them today um as it pertains to being a better better father does any advice that the regarding to fatherhood don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of mistakes. Um, read a lot. <laughs> Spend, make memories. Mm-hmm. Focus on making memories because your kids will remember memories before they remember how much money you had. Quality time and memories. Um, and so, and that's what I challenge myself to do to this day. Um, try to always create memories and moments that they will always cherish I agree um, how often how often do you make sure you tell your son that you love him every day every single day when I yeah I'm super I'm super affectionate with him yeah. um, and I wasn't I mean my dad wasn't really like that with me mm-hmm. but there's I mean I, I probably took my my son's probably heard me tell him I love him so much. He'd just try to be like, Dad, I know. <laughs> but every time I tell him, he always says it back. So I want him I want him as a young man to be comfortable that that's okay. That's what I'm supposed to do. My child needs to know that I love them and that I care about them, you know. 
and I want him to take that when as he gets older. Do you do that? Do you do that because your father really didn't do that a lot, or do? No, I think I do it because I'm just. Yeah, he holds such a soft spot, a soft spot in my heart. Mm -hmm. It just comes out. Mm. And and well, you know, partially because I will say this: not necessarily that my dad did or didn't do it, but it's because. Um, I wanted to have such a good relationship with him. Mm-hmm. I always, always want to, him to know that I love him. I always want him to know that I got his back. I always want him to know that I'm proud of him. I always want him to know that I believe in him. And so I think um, me always saying it and reiterating it, mm-hmm. it, it always constantly affirms him or assures him that this is, is true. Like mm-hmm. even when he sleeps, sometimes... I go like in the middle of the night, if I wake up, I go and check on him and I go check on him and I'll be like, daddy loves you. And he's sleep, but I, I say it anyways. I don't know. It's just... hmm. I like that. Um, growing up, my mother didn't say that a lot to us, but I know she did love us. Right. But, and then my father, I can't even remember him saying that to me. Um, but now that you know, my mom has like what thirteen grandchildren between me and my my uh, five brothers. It's um, she's constantly saying it to my kids, and I'm just like, if we get that, what? Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember going like a year and a half without seeing my mom because she moved back to Florida. She was living with me for like three and a half years and she moved back to Florida and um, I remember I couldn't wait to see her. I was like so excited to see her just like my kids were excited to see their grandma. I was excited to see my mom and I got into my I got into my brother's house and I reimagined like how this me seeing her was going to be. I was going to pick her up and I was going to hug her and I saw her and I I couldn't do it. And and, and to me it was kind of like, why couldn't you do that? And I, I battled with myself on why I couldn't do it. And it was like, that was never us. Like I would go to my mom and hug her um, because something happened to me. Or I hug her because it was her birthday or her mother or Mother's Day. But on a regular basis, that wasn't our thing. And I think it's very important that black fathers and black men embrace each other for them to feel like that's okay so they can do it for someone else. Um, very much so. Very much so. With daughters, they're super sensitive. They're very latchy. Mm-hmm. And these two in here are very like sentimental and, and it's just for me growing up being like a tomboy it it could be too much and so now like when they be like mom I love you um, I'd be like girl I know and it's like I don't want to say I know but it's to the point now where like I'm getting quadrupled the I love you's and I don't I don't know how to take it sometimes and I'd be like yeah. Anya I know or Arya I know but I have to make an effort to be like, did I hug my kid today? Go hug them. Did I tell them that I love them today? Go love on them. So it doesn't, so it doesn't turn into like a hello and goodbye because I, I treasure random I love yous over 
the greeting and the I'm hanging up the phone, I love you. It just means more because right. it comes with a thought. It's not, oh, I'm hanging out. Let me just tell you this just in case I can't say it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I like that. I like that you um, put effort in that. Um, I got two more questions for you. All right, sweet. Um, what is a black father stereotype that you defeat every day? Being in my father's, I mean, being in my child's life. Um, you know, even from being in school, like now, I'm be honest, I don't be wanting to go to the parent conferences. I don't be wanting to go to the PTA meet. Like, because, it, and it's not that I don't care. Mm -hmm. It's just that, you know, I'd rather put my energy in other areas. But I show up to the meetings. Mm -hmm. I show up to the whatever. Um, his school did thing where it was like one Wednesday out the month, um, five Wednesdays with dad or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. I was there because I feel like we're so often not there. Mm -hmm. I have to be there. I have to show this portion of people that I'm a black man, I love my son, I care about him, and I'm here, I'm present. So that's what I feel like. So you show up for the fathers that can't or didn't show up? Both, because I feel like I have to represent, because at the end of the day, I'm still a black man. Yeah. You know, and so if one one more black man shows up, then I beat the number that didn't. Fair. Fair. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. That's what, right. That's why I be like, oh, man. So I, I don't, sometimes you don't be wanting to. It's like, oh. Yeah. But... Mm -hmm. You know, I show up to represent, like, we are here. We are present. Not all black men um, have kids and don't know them or aren't in their child's life. Um, as a black father, what can we all do more of or start to show um, appreciation for you? esteem us build us up you know i think sometimes like even sometimes we put too much energy in the in negativity um for example um one of my pet peeves is like when father's day comes around you know you have women they're like well happy father's day to me you know and you know that bitter well yeah. he ain't here I've, yeah. I've done both yeah and we had a conversation with a friend years ago he was like you have your day it's called mother's day mm -hmm. so instead of being bitter and being negative just esteem the black men that are doing salute them mm -hmm. tell them i appreciate you even if, if you're not necessarily benefited from it mm -hmm. firsthand um just celebrating people that are doing good because mm -hmm. like on mother's day there's even though we're celebrating our mothers and you know 97% of women are in their kids lives um, there's still fathers out there that may be doing both but you don't see them like oh yeah. well happy mother's day to me and they're not loud about it no so I feel like as a culture celebrate men that are doing good celebrate the men that are present celebrate the men that are taking care of their kids 
in their responsibility. You know, when Father's Day rolls around, a lot of times I give a shout out to my boys too, because I'm like, y'all, y'all doing it. You know, I salute you. You know, I don't take the time to bash or talk about the fathers that aren't doing. You know, I'm not like, oh, well, future need to go see about his other 12 kids. Like, yeah, no, we ain't shedding light on negativity. It's, you, yeah. you're doing your job, I'm esteeming you. So I just feel like esteeming men that are, because not all men are dogs, not all men um, aren't accountable, not all men aren't taking care of their responsibility. So celebrate the ones that are. I like that. Um, I feel like I do that um, at a good rate, where it's like, if I have no friends that are fathers, I make an effort. Cousins, I make an effort. My brothers, I make an effort. Um, even if they have wives, I make an effort because I don't, I don't want them to feel like they're not seen. I don't want them to feel like nobody appreciates it. Like it was my birthday a couple of days ago and my, bro I, my brother called me, but I missed the call, but he left a message. And uh, uh, he texted me, he was like, I wish I had something to give you. And I'm just like, man, if you don't kiss my nieces for me, like we grown. And um, every time Father's Day comes around, if I can like find some shoes and mail it to him out the blue, I do that. If I can like throw him some money, I do that. If I can, you know, text him something, I do that. And I want to say about three years ago, um, whenever we spoke, he he's, he's been making like an honest effort to tell tell me that he loves me. And I never asked him why. I never asked him for what. But I think he's seeing that with daughters that means a lot more. So I'm just like, cool, that's just gonna be our thing. Um, but yeah, even like my kids' fathers, maybe we don't have the best relationship sometimes, but I wanna have my kids if it wasn't for them. I didn't have my kids with someone else. I have my kids with you. So even if I have to just send you a thank you, that's what you gonna get. If I, um, need to say more then i'll say more but i'm i think i'm really good about separating um how we are currently and this holiday and this purpose and your purpose and uh yeah and i i wish more people could do that and leave their ego and their pride somewhere else uh so i agree with that i agree with you i agree um, kill the tox kill, kill the toxicness yes we don't need it um, I want to say thank you for sharing and being a good father uh, to thank a black you. boy who will become a great dad one day. And thank you thank for setting you. the bar high. I'm and uh, happy Father's Day. I know people can tell you happy Father's Day, but happy Father's Day. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. No problem. I wish Father's Day was like the whole month of June. <laughs> <laughs> right, you celebrate the whole month. Yeah, <laughs> but... Um, it's perfect. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. We'll talk soon. Yes. All righty. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Please follow us. Follow us as in me. <laughs> At Cozy Womb Pod on Twitter. 
please follow the Facebook page at Cozy Boom Podcast. I need some feedback about these episodes. Um, I've been doing episodes since 2018. I want to say March. And um, I feel like in 2018, it was a lot more feedback that I was getting from the episodes. And now I'm kind of really wondering, like, what do parents or soon-to-be parents or listeners um, need from, like, other parents? Or what do you want to know? Or um, what are you mostly uh, curious about um, that you would like to be talked about um, that's not talked about enough? And uh, if I can, if I have an experience with it, I would love to share it. I'm really curious on what it is, what is it that I haven't shared or I haven't done an episode. I feel like I've touched bases on most things. The only thing that I haven't touched base on um, purposely is um, women who have had miscarriages because I've never experienced that. Um, and I don't like to do episodes on things I haven't experienced because I don't know what that's like. But um, if you guys would want to share any feedback, please um, check out the Cozy Moon Podcast Facebook page and uh, the Twitter. DM me on IG at Cozy Moon Pod. Uh, I answer my DMs frequently. Um, if there's any podcasters out there or anyone that's interested in any type of um, branding of their you know, product, uh, I don't mind adding it into the show if that's something you're interested in. Just please email me at mama at gmail.com. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Would love your feedback. If this is a show that you're interested in, please subscribe. And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts app. Thank you. Bye. 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 You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.